don't be afraid to try something. Give it your all, you know, research it. You know, you have time. You're, you did something your whole life and you probably did it really well. Okay. Otherwise you wouldn't be retiring. You'd still be out there working. So you, so use that life experience and, and be positive about it. And again, don't be afraid to try something because it's different because it's new. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up, reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, I'm really excited. I'm being joined by Chef Dennis. And now there are more than 1 million social media followers who join Chef Dennis and his culinary adventures in his kitchen and around the world. His many job titles include food blogger, chef, recipe developer, on-air personality, speaker, social media specialist, and travel blogger. Chef Dennis wants to help you find the joy of cooking with his easy-to-make restaurant-style recipes. And we're going to talk to him today about all the things that he's been doing besides just making the recipes. Chef Dennis, thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Now, I'm, uh, I'm really interested. I, most of the time, I ask my guests to give us a little bit of a backstory, how they got where they are. Mm -hmm. things like that. But I I think you've got a couple of stories because you've got how you got to be Chef Dennis. Yeah. And now where you are today is a a different story, too. So let's uh, go on a little journey. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a progression. You know, you you really don't know where life's going to take you. Uh, When I finally started my life as a chef, you know, there were a lot of things that led up to that, me trying to different jobs and trying to find things that I was good at and I was happy with. And it always came back to the kitchen and this intuitive knowledge that I just seemed to have of how to make things taste good and how to how to make people happy with food. Uh, you know, it led me through different restaurants and travels. And last job I had was at a school. Uh, I came back from a second carpal tunnel surgery on my hand from from working from everything I did was with my hand. And when I came back, my boss was gone. So I called and said, you know, what'd you do? He goes, oh, I went to a new company. In fact, I have a job for you at a all girls high school in Flower Town. And I went, oh, I'm not going to Flower Town. What are you crazy? And he goes, no, 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 go check it out. And, and I got there and, you know, I wasn't supposed to cook anymore. So I was going as the manager and the school was, it was a really nice school, but you know, the kitchen was dated. Uh, the storerooms were like, oh my God, these are ugly. I mean, what year is this we're in? And, and I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And uh, we went in the meeting and the principal says, oh, and you'll work 165 days a year. And I said, when would you like me to start? <laughs> so <laughs> as soon as they mentioned my, my, my term of working, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I can deal with this. So, you know, I spent the next few years modernizing the kitchen, bringing it into the, the new age. And along the path, I didn't know what to feed kids. So I fed them like I'd been feeding adults my whole life. And 
chicken marsala, sushi, uh, grains, you know, tabbouleh, uh, different things on the salad bar, roasted vegetables. And they thought they had died and gone to heaven. And, um, and uh, they, in fact, they painted a mural of me on the wall of, of all the things in the kitchen. It, it was like, a, you know, just like a TV movie at that point. And about four years into it, I said, you know, this is, I, I got so tired of hiring temps and bringing people in for events. I says, you know, I, I need to train my own staff. So I started a color aid program and I had 60 girls. There were 600 girls in this high school. I had 60 girls sign up the first year and yeah, just me <laughs> teaching them. I was like overwhelmed and I'm trying to do this, but the older girls, as much as they wanted to come out, they just couldn't fit it in their schedule. Every one of them went to college there were a lot of sports in the school. There were a lot of other activities. The robotics team was nationally acclaimed. The drama department, they, they, put, on, they put on musicals that would have been off-Broadway. It was just amazing, the talent in this school. So at the end of the year, I ended up with 11 girls, and they were freshmen. And I dressed them up for the main event at the end of the year. I said, all right, wear black pants, black shoes, a T-shirt. I'll give you a jacket. And I had had just enough jackets. And I show them how to wear an apron to look cool, not to work, but to look cool. I marched them out into the, the room with like 500 of the, you know, the biggest people that, you know, helped the school. And the room went dead quiet because they wow. knew what I was doing, but they didn't know what I was doing. You know, Dennis is a good guy. Girls love him. Everything's fine. So, you know, you could have heard her pin drop when they walked out dressed up as little chefs. And uh, it just was like magic from that moment on. And, and I had a couple girls stay with me through uh, the full four years in the club. And I had some go on to become chefs. I had some go on to be dietitians. You know, and I, again, I wasn't trying to train them to be chefs. But I wanted them to see, you know, cooking. And I'm, my favorite saying was cooking is not rocket science. And, you know, it's food have fun with it, you know, learn how to use it. And, and, you know, I wanted them to feed their families. I wanted them to see how easy it was. They didn't have to microwave. They didn't have to go to takeout. They didn't have to drive through stuff. So that was my goal. But, you know, along the way, we had a lot of fun. Doing it. And that's when I became a blogger. That was the lead into being a blogger. Uh, I needed a place for my girls to go to find recipes. So, I, you know, I started blogging was new back then. It was a wild, wild west. And, I started a blog and it was ugly as all sin. And uh, <laughs> oh my God, pictures were horrible. Uh, back in the beginning, we told stories. You know, nobody wants to hear a story now. Uh, it just, it was different. But none of the girls ever went there. They wanted to come see me. But students in the school started going. Teachers in the school started going. And then one morning I woke up with a reader in New Zealand and one in oh. Singapore. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a blogger. I'm a food blogger, you know, and again, it, there was a lot of years in between before I was actually a good food blogger. But I, at that point, I was a food blogger. I had friends all over the world. Uh, Google Plus had just started. And um, I love Google Plus. I had found my tribe, my people. And, and I actually had over a million followers on Google Plus before they shut it down. So I had over wow. two million at one point uh, total. Yeah, I, I was being recommended alongside of Gordon Ramsay, Emily Lagasse, Martha Stewart, Rachel Ray, here's Chef Dennis. I'm going, I don't know how this happened, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, I was riding it for all it was worth. So, you know, I, I kind of, that helped elevate me and help bring me into the main view um, and kind of establish me as a food blogger. And, and that's really where my journey started. We moved to Florida eight years ago. And at that point, when I, I was kind of a forced retirement from all the injuries I had at work, 
uh, body just dying on me. Uh, so I moved here and I had a lot of time. So I started doing a lot more with my blogging. And that's kind of when my retirement became more prolific than my pre-retirement day in terms of uh, revenue, in terms of just being out there and being known and traveling. I, be, I was the accidental travel blogger. That's what they referred to me as. Uh, one of my friends says, you know, this hotel is looking for a guest, looking for bloggers to come out. He says, well, you know, I'm not a travel blogger, I'm a food blogger. She goes, no, apply. So I went out there and they finally got back to me and I was like the last person they picked. And I went up room on the third floor and I'm like, oh, it's an ugly room because they were re renovating it by levels and they hadn't gotten to the third floor yet. But they had put in nine foot sliding glass doors that opened to the ocean. Oh. And at that term, the third floor was pretty good because I'm standing on the little patio there looking out on the ocean and going, wow, I get this. I can do this. If I write about it, they will send me. You know, it's like build it and they will come. <laughs> so I started uh, traveling all over Florida doing these boutique hotels. And then uh, one day I got an email from Viking. I had made the big time, you know, Viking said, we like you. You fit our demographic. And the first thing I thought was, yay, I'm old. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but I had, I went on Viking and they treated me like royalty. You know, it was just amazing. And that really started my international travel. We had, my wife and I, when we first got together, we had traveled. That's how we kind of bonded because we were two entirely different people. But traveling, the love for travel, you know, brought us together. Um, and we really enjoyed that. So we got back out doing that and we we're going all over the world. And then the pandemic hit and uh, kind of put a, a stop to that. But we're, we're hoping this year, maybe this fall or spring, we're going to be back out there. But uh, in terms of my new uh, career as a blogger, the pandemic was very, very good to Chef Dennis because everybody was home cooking and everybody was looking for recipes. And the other thing it did, I had been so busy with social media and so busy with travel. I forgot I liked to cook. And when the pandemic hit, we couldn't go out anymore. You know, I couldn't say I'm too tired to cook. I had to cook. So I started ordering foods online, getting, you know, uh, salmon from Alaska, getting you know, different from different parts of the world. And I started cooking, going, you know, I really like to cook. I really do. So, you know, that was good for me because it really made me remember who I was and what I did and why I did what I did. So, you know, my, my post, my my retirement days are now filled with more and more things to do than before. And um, I have a good time doing it though. I love work. Oh, that's fabulous. And it's good to hear that retirement or post-retirement is busier than the work time was because that's in my mind, that's the way it should be. Yeah. You've got but, so much time to fill. Let's get going and doing all that stuff. You know, it, it's a crazy cycle because when we have money, we don't have time. And when we have time, we generally don't have the money. Yeah. So this has been like the best thing because I can work from anywhere. You know, I, when we were in Greece for a couple of weeks, I could work from there. All I had needed was an internet. You know, in Italy, the same thing. Yes, it doesn't matter where we are as long as I have a good internet signal, which was sometimes a little tricky too. But, you know, <laughs> you, you'd find out yeah, real easy where to find you. Know, that's when Starbucks and McDonald's becomes your best friend because, you know, they got internet. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, it's really, I enjoy what I do. I, I always enjoyed cooking. But, you know, the kitchen can be stressful. Uh, even in the school, you know, the politics just was just, that's what made me crazy. 
the politics of things and um, can't get away from it anywhere. Um, it was a nice atmosphere, though. It was nice to be in that positive atmosphere. The girls love me. And whenever I felt bad about myself, if I'm having a really bad day, all I had to do is go out in the hall with cookies and hand them out. I love you, Dennis. I love you too, honey. Thank you. You know, it was like, oh, no, it's like, okay, oh, that's better. I feel better. Let's go back to work now. Well, that's funny. If um, Did you have trouble? You, you said you started feeding the high school girls just like you would adults with mm-hmm. you know, all the fancy, fancy things that yeah. restaurants serve. Did you have any um, kind of kickback at the start? Were they looking for French fries and hamburgers when you were feeding them sushi and, and other things? Uh, no, it, it was a gradual trans, you know, uh, it was gradual how we did it. Uh, the big thing was chicken fingers and French fries. Now, I was at a Catholic school, so there were no restrictions on what they would eat, like public schools, fried foods. I said something about pulling out the soda machine and, you know, the president of the school says, you will not do that. I said, really? She goes, oh, absolutely. Like, okay, I don't have a problem with it, but I thought we weren't allowed to have soda anymore. <laughs> and it was like, no, as long as they're happy, we're happy. So, I was really lucky because the food had been so bad that the girls, those first four years were magical. Um, they would try anything. I had, I had fried calamari. I, I would put that on every now and then. It was like, you know, they, they were not uneducated eaters. They were, they weren't all uh, upper class. There were blue collar workers. It was a big mixture. It was all across the board, different, different backgrounds. Um, wasn't an elite group of school and uh, they were all willing to try things and they loved it. And there were certain girls, you know, every time didn't matter what I have chicken fingers, didn't matter. Chicken fingers, chicken fingers. That was a, I got to tell you, chicken fingers are pretty darn good. <laughs> They're cooked right. And I had good ones. Um, but you'd get them to try stuff. You know, like I'd put different sauces out every day. There was pasta, different kind of pasta and a couple of different sauces. Every day there were six different kinds of sandwiches. Every day there were, you know, there was soup. There was all kinds of things in the salad bar. So little by little, you know, they try it. They're at that age where a lot of them are try it. They weren't unaccustomed to certain foods. And one girl would tell the next, the biggest, the hardest thing I had was bread pudding. I made bread pudding with a cream cheese frosting and they walked by that. And then finally a couple would try it and I'd hear, Oh my God, my grandmother makes this. It's so good. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it became like, did you try that? You have to try that. You know, then they'd get it. No, then it was like everything, everything, you know, it was just, they were just happy eaters at a point. But after four years, the girls coming in didn't know any better. It was just lunch. And it was like, doesn't everybody eat this way, you know? And then they'd go to college and they'd come back and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. I never told you how much I appreciated your food. The food at college is horrible. You know, um, <laughs> I would hear that. And then, you know, it, it was, it was nice, but you know, they were, like I said, they were really good girls. Uh, I had a bet with, uh, this is in Philadelphia area. And I was a lifelong Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm from Texas. And I had a bet with the maintenance guy that I could make the girls cheer me in a Tony Romo jersey. And he said, no way. So I gave them all ice cream for a day. <laughs> and they said, then Chef Dennis gave you ice cream for that. And they cheered me and I'm wearing my Tony Romo jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it, it was a fun time. And it was good for me because it, it re, 
I wouldn't say I reinvented myself, but I, I found myself. Uh, they were a great audience. Uh, then I started food blogging and I, I started finding friends all over the world. And that kind of reinvigorated. I'd see foods like, oh, my goodness, look at this. Look what they're making. And at that point, I was tired. I was burned out. I was done. My body was beat up. I was just I had no real drive. I had gone there to kind of retire, to bide my time. You know, no great expectations. It's a school, you know, bide my time and, and just do it. And it, it had the opposite effect. It changed my life. Oh, that's wonderful. And and so you started blogging. And as you said, it was kind of the pioneering of the blogging yeah. times. How did you learn? What? How did you develop your blog? I, I imagine there are people listening who are thinking, you know, maybe I can blog about something I do. How do you, how do you get started? How do you do it? Well, you, you want to, back in those days, the biggest problem was no one would tell you anything. No one would share anything. Everyone was so afraid, you know, that you were going to steal their thunder. Or you were going to take their breeders and it was, you know, they wouldn't like the, the big, the biggies and the, and the thing would, would take a picture of you. And then it was okay. Peon be gone, be gone. You know, uh, they didn't want to hang out with you. They didn't want to talk to you. And so I started every time I would find something again, I was on Google plus. So I had, I had some pretty cool friends that I met all over the world. There were big people. And because I joined at the same time, there was no, you know, you know, you're, you're beneath me kind of attitude. You know, we were on the same playing field and we got to be friends. So they had a lot of clout. So I started learning things from them. And then I had friends that would say, Hey, have you seen this? You know, they knew I was a blogger. Have you seen this? They'd send something to me and I would share it with my, all my friends and tell them, Hey, this is what I found. Have you seen this? You can do this, this, and this, how I became Ash Chef Dennis. You know, that's someone says you need to change your name of your blog and you need to be Ash Chef Dennis. And I was like, really? And I says, yeah, really? And I was like, okay, best move I ever made because I branded myself as myself. Yep. So if it's something you want to do and it's something you have a knowledge of, especially, you know, it doesn't have to be in retirement. Like I tell people now, to play the long game, like younger people I know, I says, look, this is, you have some time. So start working it now, build it, build it. And then when you're 50, you can retire to an island and just they'll mail you your checks. You know, they'll direct deposit. Still a good time to do it, but it, you know, it's gotta be something you're passionate about. I, say, I think the one big thing is people these days, like there's a lot of younger people that do it just because now it's a profession. Just like people used to become doctors because they thought they were gonna make a lot of money. You know, now they're going to become a blogger because it's easy. You don't do anything. Oh, wrong about that. <laughs> but it, it, it's if you enjoy doing it, it will be easy. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, Facebook groups you can look at for help. A lot of blogging groups. Uh, there's courses. There's webinars that are free. There's podcasts that are free. There's a lot of good advice. And then sometimes if you find someone that can help mentor you, it's good. It's good to find someone in your niche. Like if you're, you know, a knitting blogger, like I, I was so freaked out the first time I went to a, a blogging get together. I says, Oh my God, there was a guitar blogger. There was a car blogger. I, says, I had no idea that there were blogging, you know, anything you have an interest in, you can blog about and you can find readership. So it, it's just a matter of learning how to make it, the biggest thing is how to make it Google friendly. And that's where people fail. Oh, yeah. Because they the don't, 
Yeah. yeah, they don't set up the infrastructure properly. And that is something everyone needs help with. Like I have friends and I'll say, I just looked at your blog. He says, you have this all set up wrong. You know, you need, it's, it's easy to do. They're, they're not looking for you. You know, like I had a friend with a travel blog and a beautiful image covers the entire page. And I said, you know, Google has no idea what you're writing about because your picture covers the entire page and they don't see any text. So that's why you're not getting ranked. That's not why you're not getting found because they don't know what you're writing about. So, you know, you have to learn what they want, how to present it. I was saying, if it's something that you think is really good and you like it, it probably doesn't belong there because it's an ego thing. Like, uh, <laughs> really, I used to have all these things on my blog. And one day I looked at it on my, look at it on your mobile phone. I looked at it on my phone. I'm like, oh my God, I was hyperventilating. What is this crap? What is this crap? So it was all, you know, my Instagram pictures, my uh, other posts here and this and different things. And I, I just stripped it down. I says, it's got to be easy to look at, easy to find, easy to scroll through, you know. Uh, so th- there's a lot of things. But again, if you want to be a blogger, you know, it's not too late. Uh, food blogging is kind of hard and it's almost right time right place. Maybe you get lucky. Otherwise it's just, it's, it's time consuming. And it's, it's uh, being on social media a lot. It's, it's uh, advertising yourself, finding avenues, uh, getting people to sign up for your newsletter, you know, uh, different things you can do to, to have them become loyal readers. Like I used to think having, you know, uh, 20,000, 30,000 people on my newsletter list was great. Except no one was opening them. So I, w- I had a list full of people that weren't opening. So I just started cleaning it out, cleaning it out. And I have 10,000, but, you know, every newsletter, about 6,000 of them open it. So yeah. that's good. Exactly. I'd rather, you know, and if they don't open it, fine. You, you mm-hmm. know, I just clean them out. I clean them out. I give them so much time and just keep it on. And number one, I don't have to pay for more because the bigger newsletter list you get, the more you have to pay for it. And I, I've got people that actually appreciate it or opening what I'm sending them. And that's what I want. I'd rather have, Someone had told me once it was better to have a hundred screaming fans than to have a million social followers. Yeah. Because exactly. those hundred screaming fans can do more for you than, than uh, the numbers. Yeah. So. It's nice to see that number up there on the screen, but oh, yeah. they're not doing anything. They're not talking about you. They're no. not, you know, buying your stuff. It's yeah. not doing you any good. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I have friends I'll say, how many email subscribers you have? I go, 10,000. They right. <laughs> But I kind of snicker. I'm like, okay, what's your open rate? Oh, 12%. Well, my open rate is 67%. <laughs> okay. So, you know, let's talk about that instead. So, so let's talk about um, your travel, travel blogging, the, mm-hmm. the traveling you do, how you get it, what you do when you're there, that sort of stuff. Well, you know, again, I, I started, I always tell people, if you want to be a travel blog, there's, there's still a big market for it. I do culinary travel, but you know, there's all different niches. There is senior travel, there is solo travel, there is couple travel, there is luxury travel, there is budget travel. So, you know, you can find something that you like and you start local. You know, you find something. The first thing you need to do is you need to go out on your own and you need to write if you wanted to be a blogger or a social media thing. You need to go out on your own and you need to do some due diligence on your part. And that means going to restaurants, writing about them, going to hotels on your own dime, writing about them uh, and and develop something. So you have a basis. And then, you know, after you've started 
start a relationship. Like if you have a local hotels, like I was in Orlando and I would start tagging different hotels and say, Hey, uh, I really like your hotel. If you ever want me to come over, I'll be happy to stay and write about it. So, you know, and, and I remember the first one I got was, uh, the Waldorf. I'm like, you really, you want me to come to Waldorf? He says, yeah, we'd love to have you stay with us. Let's talk about a level of service I had not experienced before. <laughs> you know, wasn't it the hotel was that much better, but someone walked you almost everywhere. It was like, wow. You know, and again, it was just reaching out to them and asking, but I didn't just reach out cold. I had followed them for a while. I had commented on their pictures. I had started a relationship. Okay. If you just put your hand out, you know, they get that all day long. So, you know, what can I, what can I do for you? What can you, you know, it's gotta be good for both of you. So I will say start local. And then once you start local, then, you know, go out of your area a little bit more, you know, into, and then maybe into another state and start writing about something there. And then you, once you build a basis, you can people, you can start asking people, but don't, don't expect them to give you the world. Say, you know, hey, um, I'm coming to your town. I'd love to write about your resort. Do you have any media rates? Okay, media rate might be, you know, three quarters. It might be half. It might be a quarter. You never know what, what time of year it is. Don't try and go in their busiest times. Don't try and take away their money. You know, go on a slow time, go during the week, especially if you're retired. Hey, I got nothing else to do. I don't have to go on the weekend. I can go Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you know, and have a good time. And when you put it out that way and you ask for a media rate, you're liable to get a response back. Hey, yeah, we can give you a media rate and, and uh, we'll give you a credit at our restaurants. Then you, or, or we'll give you a cabana. Then you start getting unexpected things. So then, the next time you write, you can say, hey, I stayed I stayed at the Waldorf and wrote about it. Here's the blog post I wrote about them. You know, if you'd like me to come promote your place, I can do that too. You know, if you don't have any openings, then you, then I'll ask. And I say, but if not, uh, could you offer a media rate? So then you're not just asking them for free stuff. You're saying, yeah, I'm willing to pay a little bit too. Um, so, you know, that's a kind of a good way to get into it. And then following people on social media, you know, Twitter was like the best place for me for travel because there were a lot of travel companies out there. It, it wasn't as good for the food aspect, but for travel, I found, I made a lot of, that's where I found Viking, uh, Colette travel has been very, very good to me. Uh, Crozy cruises, uncruise, uh, Windstar, you know, there's so many different companies and I'm not a big ship cruiser. We took one and my wife and I both got off of it and went, I don't think I'm a cruise person. And I says, I don't think so either. This was not, you know, we can eat and drink anywhere. We don't have to do it on a ship. We live in Florida. We got beaches. We got sunshine. Now, if you're from Wisconsin, I can understand or from a frozen state. Yeah, I can understand. But we got this all the time. I'm not paying to go eat and drink all day. Uh, we want to see things. We want to experience things. So small ship cruising is like really a much, much better experience. You know, you can sometimes more expensive because they're smaller ships, but it's a, it's a much better way to travel. So to, to uh, get started in that sort of thing, you pretty much have to have a uh, following already before they're going to be interested in having you write about, about them. Yeah, yeah, there's no reason for them if they have all these people that are already, yeah. uh, you know, they're already working with them that have a following. They need some reason. Now, it doesn't have to be a huge following. 
but it should be a dedicated following. Remember the screaming fan thing. You know, if you have a thousand followers on Twitter and you get a lot of, you know, people retweet you or do things, or you get a lot of comments or a lot of shares. That's what they're looking for. You know, they're, they're now called micro influencers. And micro influencers are sometimes because they can hire a half a dozen micro influencers instead of hiring a, someone with a, like me with a big following. So they're, they're getting different niches. They're getting different target areas with micro influencers. So, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's an, it's, an, it's an easy way to start. And then as you gradually go and do more, you pick up steam. And, you know, it, it becomes a game at some point. Uh, like there's Facebook groups again, and you'll share things in Facebook groups and they will help promote you and you promote them. So it's, you know, but I always tell people social media, social media doesn't drive a lot of traffic to the blog, but it's that billboard that we pass on the highway every day. Yeah. And we pass it every day and we see the same thing. So that's what social media is. And, you know, we'll go to the store then and we'll say, hey, I'm going to buy this brand. I don't know why, but it just stuck in my mind. Like when we moved to Florida, first thing we saw was a picture of Santa Claus and it said for the people. Had no idea what it meant. <laughs> and then we saw our first Morgan and Morgan ad. It's a law team and it's Morgan and Morgan for the people. So we can't say either one without the other now. So now we understand. So again, it's that sticks. I don't know if I would ever hire them, but I know darn well who they are, you know, and what they do. So it's a matter of that billboard you pass that's helping out in the brand you hire, then look at the numbers you have because they can get a kind of idea how many eyes are on it. Like when I was on Twitter, I had this one thing, I was getting a record every week and I would have like 20 million impressions this week. That's how many possible people saw my tweets. No, it was just crazy numbers. So when you throw that out there, you know, companies go like, well, that's a good possibility, but there's no way to track it to really see, all right, who's yeah. going because of that. So there's, there's faith involved. So there's other ways to track it and different things. So, you know, it's a matter of, they just try to decide where their money's better spent and, and how to use it. So you talked about uh, being <clears throat> busier now than you were before you retired so to speak. So in this, you know, beyond retirement kind of life, how do you avoid burning out? How do you, how do you keep a balance? Well, you know, some mornings I do, I get up and I just, I just don't feel it. And when I do, I read, I read a lot. Um, I watch TV, you know, but I've, I've like burned out on TV with, since COVID because I've watched every show. I'm watching them in foreign languages now. That's, that's the bad <laughs> point. When you run out of, a, of things in English and you have to watch it in another language. Um, but you know, you go for a walk, you ride your bike, you just, you do something or I'll go in the kitchen and cook. You know, for me, that's, that's therapy. Uh, baking used to be therapy, but I was over the COVID, I was baking so much, my blood sugar went through the roof. <laughs> so I had to stop baking. <laughs> um, now I farm that out to someone else that does some baking for me for, for my blog because I just, because I, I, I see it and I eat it. That's one of those things that just calls to me, you know, and my wife will have a tiny little slice and that'll be it. And I'll just say, oh, that cake is talking to me, you know, wants me. Um, so uh, we had to stop that, but it, it's, it's a matter of uh, enjoying what you do. Okay. I have a method every day uh, and it's, it's crazy, but you know, I make my coffee. I come, I turn on the computer, um, I check my emails real quick to make sure there's no fires I have to put out. And then 
I look at my traffic to see how much traffic I had for the day. And then I look to see how much money I made for the day. And, oh, okay, I can work again today, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, again, not necessarily why I do it, but it's part of the, you know, you, you can't buy happiness, but you can sure as heck rent a lot of it, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, it just keeps me motivated, keeps me going. And I, I know I always tell my wife, I says, you know, I'll be a day that I come in here and I says, I'm done. And maybe I won't be done permanently, but I'll be done for a little while. But, you know, things will, it'll still perpetuate itself. This is not something I can ever stop doing 100% because it's passive income. Like, even if I was to say today I'm done, I'm not writing anymore, I would still have money coming in for I don't know how long, as long as my posts were still relevant and traffic was still coming in. So it's, it's like, uh, you know, I always tell her, I says, we'll be gumming our food in style if, you know, things go the way they keep going the way they are. Um, but it's something you have to pay people to take care of for you. Like I have, I have a dozen people that work for me. Uh, wow. I mean, I, at this stage of the life, I says, who knew, you know, it's just like, it's just crazy. Um, so you find people to do the things that keep you from burning out because you're trying to do too much. The biggest thing we try to do is too much. And then you have to find the people that will do things for you to take that weight off your shoulders. So you can do the things you enjoy and that you do very well. I cook very well. I like how I write my posts. So I think I do that well. Um, I would love to find an agent because I do not ask for money very well. Um, <laughs> that's, that's like the most difficult. I go, Oh God, I like me. I would not pay myself that much. You know, it's like, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's hard to ask for money, but then you see other people are getting this much for it and this much for it, you know, and then my wife will hit me when I say it, but people will call and say, well, we want to give you $50 to do something. I go, our chef Dennis doesn't put pants on for $50. You know, <laughs> like I'm not going out of the house. Yeah. She'll smack me in the back of the head, but I was like, yeah. It's just, you know, you get to a point where certain things are worth it, certain things are not, you know, everybody, at that point, everybody wants a piece of you. I get more invitations to go out to eat now. It's just like, oh, I don't want to go out at night. I don't want to drive. You know, it's, <laughs> it's an hour away. Really? Can't we, let's just, I'll just make something, you know, and it's or before I was like chomping at the bit, like, oh yeah, somebody wants me, somebody wants me, you know, but you, you hit a point again and how your business progresses where, you know, things that you used to do just aren't as, as relevant to what you're doing. So again, and if you, you do too much, that's when you burn out. You have to find that balance. And I guess doing a lot is the way that you're going to figure out what the balance is and when it's too yes. much. When, yes. when you hit that point, you'll know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, you need to start thinking like maybe you don't like I hired I don't know how many years I would try to send emails out and I would do it diligently for a while. And then I'd forget about it and I wouldn't send any more out. Well, I hired a young lady that is very good at it. She was a marketing specialist and she started doing my emails and my email list has grown. She writes in my voice. If I'm traveling, she'll talk about where I'm at, you know, what I'm <laughs> seeing. She knows, even though she's in Philadelphia, she knows I'm a Cowboys fan and she painfully writes about that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I would be lost without her now, you know, it's a good partnership. You know, we work together, um, finding someone like I hated doing Pinterest, finding someone to do Pinterest for me was good. 
uh, that died. So now I've just gone back to that. So I found another company that does that. Uh, finding people to do the things that bring you no joy, but are necessary are good things. And I have a company that watches my blog 24 seven, just in case something happens. So that is money well spent. I have their sleep soundly plan. I says, you know, and that's basically what it is. You're paying them, you know, a pretty good amount of money every month, but to make sure that nothing happens, you know? So, and, and you hear horror stories all over the, all over my friends, the things that their blogs being shut down, them losing things and being hacked and, you know, knock on wood, I have not ever had, and I think it's not a coincidence it's because I have this company taking care of me. So, right. uh, yeah. You know, there's, there's so many things that can happen. Uh, you just have to kind of be proactive and try and stop them. And, and again, it comes back down to, is it a hobby? Is it a business? Uh, if you're doing it for fun, you can afford to spend money that you're making. If you're doing it to put food on the table, well, there's certain things you can't do because you need the money. So at, at this stage of my life, luckily, it has always been extra money you know, luckily. So we, we've done a lot of things with the extra money, but, you know, um, but it has never been something we needed to live. So I could reinvest, constantly reinvest, you know, in order to make money, you have to spend money. That's, that's a, a tenant I've always followed and, and believe in truly. And, um, you know, I, it, it's just crazy the way things perpetuate themselves, but, you know, and, and it's, I'm still involved in, I said, you know, I just want to keep growing. I, it's not necessarily about the money right now is it's the traffic. I want to get more traffic. I want to get more followers. I want to get more readers. You know, I had almost 9 million page views last year. I want to get up to wow. 10 million. You know, I want to get more. I want to get more, you know? Um, so it's just, and again, this is why I'm on podcasts now too. My, my SEO guy says, you know, Dennis, you got to get on some podcasts. I says, Oh, okay. You know, I like doing them. I said, what's better than talking about yourself? You know, I love it. So. So because a lot of my post-retirement time is going to be spent traveling, I hope. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about your, your travel adventures. What, what's your favorite uh, story about traveling? Oh, well, I, I love traveling with my wife because she sees things that I don't look at. And we were in Germany. Uh, and we were walking and I was tired. It was the end of a trip, the end of a cruise. And uh, we were walking and we heard music. So let's walk towards the music. Okay, let's walk towards it. We were in, uh, we were in Munich, we were in Munich. And uh, we came upon a festival, a pop-up festival that happened twice a year. And there was an Oompa band playing, you know, like with the with leader hose in and everything and a beer garden was set up and everybody's drinking. So I'm taking pictures and I'm doing some video and think this is great. I look around, I can't find her. Well, here she is sitting at a table with a bunch of Germans, doesn't speak German. They didn't speak much English, drinking beer, having a good time. They're singing and she's waving me over to come sit down. And there was a person from Australia there. So they spoke English. So that was kind of the translation, but she's talking to a woman whose sister lived in Los Angeles and she was trying to speak a little bit of English. And, and, you know, there's a lot of smiling goes on and a lot of nodding goes on, but it's like, she does things like that. Um, that just kind of, when you travel, you have to meet people. You have to meet locals. You know, I, there's a little story, I think, with almost every trip we've had where we've had an encounter with a local. 
uh, one of my favorite ones for me was in Trentino, Italy. We went to a farm, a rose farm, and um, they had other vegetables, but she did all these essences of roses. And everybody went on a hike. And I saw that and I says, oh, my back is bad. My knees are bad. I, I'm going to sit here. So I sat there and there was an, a really older gentleman, uh, the father-in-law of the woman that, that had this in in Italy. And as soon as they left, he came over to sit with me and I'm like, oh, this is not what I needed now. I just wanted some peace and quiet and relax. And he starts talking to me and I said, I don't understand Italian, oh, very little Italian. He didn't understand English. So he starts telling me stories about when he was in the war in Sicily. And I learned at the current about the colonel. Colonel was not a very good man. And I got this. And by his expressions and his gestures, I'm listening to the story and I'm thinking, oh God, I wish I could really understand what he's saying. This man has got some wonderful stories. And what turned out, what started out as me not being happy was there was like, I, I just, we kept a lot of interest and he'd laugh and, and I'd tell him something and he'd laugh. I know he didn't understand it, but he saw my expressions. I saw his expressions. And we had about a 45 minute conversation where Neither of us really understood each other, but I, I got this picture very well about how he was in the army in Sicily and the colonel would do these things and he was terrible. And then a lieutenant and different people and like, oh, I wish I could really, that's me. I wish I could understand him. And then when they came back, he just got up and walked away and sat down by himself and thinking, well, that was a little sad too, because here's this man with all these wonderful stories and he just, you know, I guess he didn't want her to yell at him for, for bothering the guests. First, she talked to, first, he told me about how his daughter-in-law wanted to have this in. And I understood some of that. And she had in her gardens. And I was like, oh, you know, I did all this. And I says, hey, if it makes her happy. And, you know, I go like that. And it makes her happy. Yeah, and then, uh, but then I was thinking, ah, oh, you know, it's a reason to learn another language if you're going somewhere. I, I still haven't learned enough Italian, but, you know, it's a reason to, to talk to locals, uh, talk to people that have these stories. Uh, we're, we're fortunate. A lot of people speak English. And yep. uh, English is a common language. The funniest things on trains is to hear people from two different countries talking to each other in English, in broken English. You know, that they, they meet people. On trains are wonderful places to meet people. You know, because you'll just strike up a conversation. Strangers just do that, especially in Europe. They just talk to you. It's not like so much like what they're afraid is in the United States. You say, you're talking to me. Don't look at me. You know, don't talk to me. <laughs> kind of philosophy. <laughs> like I leave my wife and she'd be talking. It's just stop talking to people, you know, since <laughs> you know? so I leave you alone for a minute and you're talking to people from another country, but uh, you know, it, it's good though. It's better that way. You know, we, we get experiences and that's why we like small ship traveling because we, we get experiences. Yeah. yeah, me too. I'm not, I'm not much of a big, uh, a big ship cruiser kind of person. It's, you're all tied up in one spot. And, you know, like you said, you can, you can drink and eat anywhere. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to be in a, on a boat in the ocean to do that. No, no. And, and you know, it's, yeah, there's a lot of better ways to spend your money. And um, yeah. there's a lot of better experiences that you can get for yourself traveling. Uh, I, I went to Madrid. I loved Madrid. I could live in Madrid. Madrid was the first European city I went to that felt like America. <laughs> I mean, everyone was dressed like us, like we dress, you know, you go to France and they're like, you know, everybody's dressed differently. You know, it's just, Italy's a little different, but in Madrid, it was like, and they're out there. I'm out on the street. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's like New York. It's packed, but everybody's happy. 
and smiling and laughing and having a good time. So there's a different quality of life to it. Um, this, it, it felt safer. We were in Portugal. Oh God, I love Portugal. I had never, I had no idea. Had a really hard time with the language because it's different, but uh, yeah. Portugal was just incredible. The food, the people, the the country, you know, we, we love France. That was the first place we went to. So Paris is like always my favorite city, but you know, the French are the French and <laughs> they treat each other poorly. So you can't, you can't be mad at them for treating you poorly because you're an American because they treat each other that way too. So don't feel bad. Um, uh, but you know, the South of France was nice, different parts of France, you know, where the people are more, homey and more they're not as crazy it's like it's like going to new york city or going to a small town you know you're going to get a different kind of reception in both places um yeah the, the world has has gotten smaller and it's you know it's, if you can take advantage of it do it you know there's so many places i'd like to see you know i i have not seen enough of this country yet too because when we started traveling again it was always oh we can go to europe you know we can do this now let's do that so, but now I want to get to the, like, I've never seen the Grand Canyon. Uh, uh, there's all these national parks that I haven't seen. My wife has seen them, but I haven't seen them. So I'm thinking, you know, as much as I hate bus tours, I think we might take a bus tour to, to the national parks. Um, and, and the only reason I don't like bus tours is because you're on a bus for like five hours before they let you out to do something. You know, that's the only reason. Other than that, they're wonderful experiences, you, you know, because you, you're with like 20 people usually you get to know them pretty good. You know, you hear stories again, and it's always about the experiences about eating together and learning about each other. So, I mean, that's part of the travel besides seeing these new places. It's about enriching your life with other people. So I'd love to sit and listen to you tell me stories for hours. Um, but I think we're going to have to cut this, uh, cut this off pretty soon. Okay. If you had, one thing, one piece of advice that you could give people who are preparing for life after retirement, what would you say to them? I would say, don't be afraid to try something. Don't think you're going to fail because the only way you're going to fail is if you try it and, and, and don't, you know, you're not going to know you're going to fail unless you try it. And there's a 50, 50 chance that you won't fail. So I think the biggest fear going into retirement is like, Oh, no one's going to want to read me. No one's going to talk, hear me talk about this. No one has any interest in what I have to do. Try it. Try it. Give it some time. This is for you. It's not for other people. Enrich your life. Do something you want to do. And, you know, you're, gonna, you're only going to fail if you don't do it. That's the only way you're going to fail. So if it doesn't work the first time, Try something else. You've got time. What are your options? Sitting there in front of the TV? You know, you know if you're a golfer playing golf all day, you know, well, what do you have to do? Um, so don't be afraid to try something. Give it your all. You know, research it. You know, you have time. You're, you did something your whole life and you probably did it really well. Okay. Otherwise, you wouldn't be retiring. You'd still be out there working. Uh, so, you, so use that ex life experience and, and be positive about it. And again, don't be afraid to try something because it's different, because it's new. You know, you know just use your life experience and dedicate yourself to it. Uh, don't burn out. 
Don't try and do it constantly. Do it when you have time and kind of gradually ease into it. Like I always tell people, you know, do this for like a half an hour in the morning and then go do something else and come back and do it. And then pretty soon you'll start to develop a pattern and it would become something more enjoyable for you. You can keep at it a little longer, you know, find time to your family. The one good thing about blogging is I can do it from anywhere and I can do it when I want to do it. If my wife says we're going to visit family, fine. I just put it off for today and do it tomorrow or do it when I get home or, you know, you're in control of the situation. Right. So keep control of it. Do what you want. The one biggest complaint I had about a chef was I was never home for holidays. You know, I was always working while everyone was out enjoying themselves. I was always working. So, you know, this is your own schedule. You can do it. If you want to get up at three in the morning and work till seven and then take a nap and then go do things all day, it's your life. It's your schedule. Do it how you want to do it. Find something that works for you, but just don't be afraid to try. Perfect. I think that's great advice. Excuse me. And so we can find you. Your website is Mm askchefdennis.com. And you're at Ask Chef Dennis with all the social media. We can That's it. find yep. you anywhere. Yep, absolutely. And you can just, if you Google Chef Dennis, I'm liable to come up for the first few pages. So, Thanks to SEO. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience uh, before we go? Anything coming up in your world? Anything like that? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, I have a book I've been, a cookbook I've been working on, but it was never a big priority for me. Uh, I just enjoy, you know, again, it's, it's at my pace. There's so many younger people rushing around trying to grab the moment. And I'm like, you know, it's coming to me. I just be patient and get what I get. So, you know, nothing major, just living life, loving life, enjoying every day. Fabulous. It sounds perfect to me. Thanks very much for being with me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.